scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, and therefore all that they tell you do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they tie them but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they brought in their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels of their garments. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues, and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. Do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. morning. We're grateful for the opportunity to be together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our spiritual family, to spend some time in study of God's Word and worship to Him. We are thankful for the songs that we have been led in as we've been seeking to worship the Lord, and we are thankful for the prayers and the petitions that we have been able to make before the throne of heaven. This morning I want to talk about one of the most frustrating and yet all too common sins. It is one of the most obvious sins to religious people, I think. It becomes very apparent whenever we see it, and yet it is one of the most difficult sins to combat. It is the sin of hypocrisy. Jesus, whenever He spent His time on earth, in many of his teachings and many of the interactions that he had to deal with, he was confronting the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, the religious elite, and he had to deal with their hypocrisy, and he confronted it. One person said, a hypocrite is one who sets good examples only when he has an audience. And I think that is so true because of the idea that we get with Hypocrite, Jesus, he labeled the Pharisees as hypocrites. In Matthew chapter 23, in the reading that we uh, had this morning, in verse 3, whenever Jesus says, Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. That gives the idea that they were just pretenders, that they were people who just acted in a way that was not in consistency with what they actually taught and what they said. And that really goes to the idea of what a hypocrite is. Jesus, He used this word, and it was an interesting word, because hypocrite in the Greek, it had no religious meaning, at least initially. Jesus was drawing from Greek culture. And it was the idea of being an actor, a stage actor, one who in those days they would wear a mask and that they would put something on, that they would act in a way that would be different. 
And I wanted to preach this sermon today because I wanted to talk about hypocrisy because of the nature of masks. You think about today being Halloween, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of masks. Maybe a Darth Vader mask will pull will show up somewhere uh, today. Maybe you'll have someone that comes to your door wearing that. It might be terrifying. Or we've all had to wear masks in some way at some point in the past year with COVID-19. But no matter what, hypocrisy is a serious sin, as John Milton wrote, for neither man nor angel can discern hypocrisy. The only evil that walks invisible except to God alone. That hypocrisy is something that is hard to detect sometimes, especially whenever we are the ones who are committing that sin. And we cannot never fully understand why someone might act in a way and why they might do certain things. We never fully understand this sin. It's something that God can detect in a very, very serious way. And while hypocrisy can be infuriating, it is something that you can do something about. We're going to notice tonight or this morning that we can do something about it. We're going to see that we can overcome this sin. But sometimes you'll hear people saying that they don't want to have anything to do with the church. That they don't want to be involved with people at a particular church or a particular congregation because, well, they're full of hypocrites. And I like what one person said about that. Hypocrites in the church? Yes. And in the lodge and at the home, don't hunt through the church for a hypocrite. Go home and look in the mirror. Hypocrites, yes. See that you make the number one less. Because that's really all that we can do to combat this sin. Is that while we might see someone act hypocritically, we might even be able to point out that they are acting hypocritically. We oftentimes cannot do anything about it. We need to make sure that we look and examine in our own life that we are not acting hypocritically. And so this morning I want us to think about what makes hypocrisy so hard and so difficult. And the fact is that hypocrisy is putting on a mask. It is where we are hiding our true self. And it begins with masking the heart. Because hypocrisy is not merely when a Christian sins. We are all going to recognize that we sin from time to time. That we stumble and we, fault, we, we falter in our service to God. In the book of 1 John, in 1 John chapter 1, John, he talks about this. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 6, that if we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Just because we might perhaps walk in darkness for a time or we stumble into sin, that doesn't mean that we have somehow become a hypocrite necessarily. When Christians struggle with personal weaknesses, we're all going to have struggles that we deal with and that we combat on a, on a regular basis. And just because we are dealing with that, we're struggling through something, does not necessarily make us a hypocrite. And when Christians are inconsistent with the principles they believe, that doesn't necessarily make someone a hypocrite because if we sin and we are acting without the we're acting in an inconsistent way with the principles that we profess that we believe. So those in and of themselves do not make 
someone a hypocrite. Hypocrisy, I believe, is much deeper than that. And it's a much more difficult problem to discern. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, whenever Jesus is preaching about the need to be generous and giving of alms, and whenever He's talking about our prayers and how we, are, how we ought to pray to God, He says in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. And that word for to be noticed, that phrase, it comes from the Greek word theomai, which is where we get our English word theater. Jesus is saying, don't practice your righteousness on a stage. You don't practice your righteousness to be seen by others. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. He goes on in verse 2, So when you give to the poor, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Hypocrisy is this outward show without an inward reality that is matching that outward appearance. That's the true danger of hypocrisy is that there's this disconnect between what we do and what is in our heart. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to get to. He's not trying to say that you shouldn't give or that you shouldn't pray even in, in public or that others may know about those things. He's not saying that's wrong in and of itself. But He's saying you need to be sure that you don't do that to just to be seen by others. And hypocrisy is what makes it also so dangerous is that while at times it can be very calculated, it can be very deliberate, it can be intentional, it can also be the result of self-deception. That's something that I think we need to recognize that the Scriptures warn us about. That we can deceive even ourselves. That we can believe a lie that we have fed to ourselves. In 1 John chapter 1, in that passage that we, we read verse 6, but it says also in verse 8, that if we have no sin, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. That we can believe something that we have told ourselves that is completely false and is completely untrue. And Jesus wants us to be aware that the hypocrisy can be the result of self-deception. That we have fed ourselves a lie for so long that we believe it. And that we then act in accordance with that lie. And what ends up happening is that we may not only deceive ourselves, but we deceive others. That's why Jesus is so particular in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1 and 2 as we looked at and why He warns people to not just parade yourself and your religiosity before others. That you need to be sure that you are not trying to just put on a show or put on an appearance as an actor might who wears a mask to cause some sort of distortion of what reality really is. In Matthew chapter 15, a very important text, 
and where Jesus is confronting the Pharisees once again about their hypocrisy. He says in Matthew chapter 15 and in verse 7, You hypocrites! Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the uh, precepts of men. What we see is that Jesus, as He is trying to confront the Pharisees for their disconnect, that they say things, but they don't practice them in and of themselves. That they might acknowledge certain truths, but they don't practice the truth. Jesus, He says, you're a hypocrite when you do that. Because you, on the outside, your lips are saying the right things. You're doing the outward right things. But your heart, your inner person, is far away from me. Now there's this disconnect between our actions and our hearts. Hypocrisy masks the heart. We don't want to show our true heart. We want to hide our true heart whenever we're a hypocrite. And hypocrisy is the product of self-righteousness. You think about what the intent of the Pharisees that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6. It was to be noticed by people. That we say these long, lengthy prayers just to be just to gain more attention. Look at how holy they are. Look at how righteous they are. And he says, this is the problem, that they are self-righteous. And Jesus, He calls for His people to be righteous. Don't mistake this. Don't make this mistake. Jesus calls for us to be righteous. But He calls for us to have a kingdom righteousness. Not a self-righteousness where it's all about ourselves, where it is about the kingdom where it's about Christ, that it's about serving others. That's why in Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 20, Jesus says, For I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says you have to be righteous if you're going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but it has to be a different kind of righteousness. It has to be different than what the Pharisees offer. That's why Jesus would go on in chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. That Jesus calls us to have a kingdom righteousness, a kingdom mindset of doing what the King has given us bidding to do. And so... Obedience to God's laws and God's commands is absolutely necessary. Obedience does not make oneself righteous. The heart of the matter is always about the motive. Are you seeking attention for yourself or are you giving attention to the majesty that is on high? Hypocritical thinking will shift our focus from the truth to our human traditions, and ill-informed opinions. I've interacted with someone where they held a strong opinion about something and tried to sit down and have a Bible study with them and uh, in trying to show them why this opinion was, was wrong. 
And I would open my Bible and I would point to a Scripture, I would read the Scripture, I would invite them to open their Bible to read the Scripture. And I've had people just blatantly refuse to open the Bible because they don't want to look at it. I would argue that is something that we need to be aware of. That's an attitude that we need to be aware of and we need to not have that kind of attitude. We always need to be willing to go to the Bible to see what the Bible says about something. Because hypocritical teaching is going to affect the focus to what I think, not what God thinks, not what is pleasing to God. And that is what Jesus makes abundantly clear in Matthew chapter 15, that their doctrine was affected, that in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. That hypocrisy is going to affect what we teach and what we say. And that's one reason why we need people to be equipped to be able to detect if we are teaching something wrong, if I ever teach something wrong, that is an error that is not consistent with what the Bible teaches. Because I could be wrong. I could be a hypocrite. And we need to be sure that we are aware of that. Because hypocrisy could happen to anyone. We never need to think that, well, I'll never be a hypocrite. No. We, any one of us, could potentially become a hypocrite. We need to be careful that we don't fall into that trap and that mindset. Because the heart is what is at stake. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus exposes the Pharisees and their hypocrisy on several different levels. And he says, beginning in verses 16 and 17, he says, Woe to you, blind guide, to say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold? What Jesus begins to attack here and trying to expose is whenever people, hypocrites, whenever they try to mask their integrity and whenever they try to mask their intentions. One of the woes that Jesus pronounced upon the Pharisees was their system of being released from their vows. That somehow there was a loophole system that they had created that okay, I can make a vow and I can make this vow on the temple, but if I make that vow on the temple, then somehow that's not as important because what you have to always do is follow the money, right? That's always a rule of thumb. You always follow the money. Because the, if you vow on the gold of the temple, well, that's way more important. And so if you make this vow on the temple itself, then you know you can be released from that. You can get out of that one. But if you make a vow on the, on the temple gold, oh, you can't get out of that. that you're going to be obligated on that one. 
that they had created this system where they could make vows, they could make statements, they could swear by something, and somehow be released from it. And that was what Jesus was trying to combat. Was That is not to be in the heart and the mindset of a child of God. In Matthew chapter 5 and in verse 37, whenever Jesus again dealing with this notion of taking an oath, He says, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. If what we say does not mean what we say, Jesus says, that makes you a hypocrite. If you cannot take My Word and trust it, then that is a masking of your integrity. In the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 30, in the book of Numbers, in the Old Testament, God expected people to make statements and even making vows that if they were going to make this vow, that they were obligated to keep it. In, in Numbers chapter 30 and in verse 2, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to bind himself with a binding obligation, he shall not violate his word. He shall not violate his word. God expects us to keep our word when we say we're going to do something. We need to be expected to keep it. Our words should reflect our honest intentions and the integrity of our hearts. Hypocrites, though, they want to mask that. They want to hide that. They want to search for loopholes and find a way out of doing the things that they say they will do, the obligations that they commit themselves to. And when we mask our intentions and the integrity of our heart, we are found to be dishonest and we are then a hypocrite. We need to be sure that we're not wearing the mask of deception. Jesus goes on in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 23, in this scathing rebuke against hypocrisy. He says in verses 23 and 24, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. I love the imagery here that Jesus uses. That one of the major problems of hypocrisy is that we mask the large stuff. That we forget the big items on purpose. Very much an intentional choice. And these, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, that they were neglecting the weightier matters of the law, Jesus says. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. That they would take such great diligence and care to make certain that they were tithing up to the smallest of spices. 
Like the smallest of details. And then they were forgetting the very foundation of the law. That hypocrisy and hypocrites focus on all the wrong things. They sweat the small stuff and they ignore the large stuff. Hypocrites focus their attention on all the small things, tithing down to the smallest of things and items in an appearance to be faithful to God in tithing the dill, the mint, and the cumin. And we sometimes, I think, mistakenly call them legalists. I think that's giving them too much credit, to be honest. Because it's not that they were being legalistic and that they were just trying to do this. They were... Jesus says they were being obedient. He says at the very beginning of the chapter, do what they tell you to do. They just don't do it themselves. They're self-righteous. They're They're very inconsistent. He condemns them for their negligence is what Jesus says. He says, you are sweating all this, all the small stuff and you are forgetting the bigger picture. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. That's the very foundation of the laws that we are to be doing. It's not that obedience is, is somehow condemned or that even on the smallest of details that Jesus, Jesus isn't upset about that. He's upset that they have abandoned ship, that they have abandoned the larger foundation. They've abandoned the principle of the law. And that they strain at gnats to swallow a camel. And what's interesting here is that Jesus, He says that He uses these two animals, a gnat and a camel. And both of these animals under the Jewish system of law They were both unclean animals. And so what Jesus is saying that whenever you are straining at a gnat, yet you're trying to make certain that you don't become unclean through disobedience, guess what? Because of your negligence, you have become unclean because you're swallowing a camel. Something that's much bigger than a gnat. And because of your focus on one aspect of the law, you've forgotten the bigger picture. And so the end result in efforts to not become unclean, it's almost as if you have become a self-fulfilling prophecy and you become unclean. And something that we have to be certain that we do and that we take great care for is that if we are only looking to do the law and obey the law, the letter of the law, without understanding the undergirding principle of why Jesus and God wants us to do the command, then we are in danger of hypocrisy. Because we mask the large stuff. We hide it. We neglect it. And Jesus says, we need to be careful. Jesus also warns in verse 25 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Another mask that hypocrites wear is masking our outward appearance to create a disconnect. Our outward appearance is the mask where we hide what is really on the inside. And Jesus he says what's inside is very unclean and unholy. And it's full of robbery, self-indulgence, uncleanness. But the outside is beautiful, washed, clean. And what we have to always be fighting and striving for is that the inner person, our inner heart, needs to match the outward person, the outer appearance. That is something that can be challenging, but it is what we must strive for. And I think we can see this exemplified in Luke chapter 18 with the two prayers. One in this parable that Jesus gives, the one prayer of the, the Pharisee, and the second prayer of the publican. In Luke chapter 18 and verses 9 through 14, he talks about these two men and how they both go to pray before God. The Pharisee, he talks about all the things that he's doing. Look at all the good works that I'm doing. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. I do everything that you tell me to, God. Look at what I do. Look at the outside. But then you see the contrast with that publican, tax collector. In verse 13 of Luke chapter 18, verse 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He looked at his heart and he realized the condition of his heart. That's something else we're going to talk about in a moment. But he looked within himself. Whereas that Pharisee, he only looked at, he wanted God to see the outside. The outward appearance can become the mask in and of itself. And we have to be careful about that. Because hypocrites trust in, in self that they are righteous. Hypocrites focus on what they do and what others do not do. Outwardly, hypocrites do good things. They do good things sometimes, but they are spiritually dead. And in James chapter 2, in James chapter 2, James, I believe, is warning about some of these ideas and attitudes. In James chapter 2, he says in verse 1, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. And he talks about if someone comes into the assembly wearing fine clothes and you treat him differently than you do someone who is poor and you tell him to go stand over in the corner and not have anything to do with the rest of you. He says in verse 4, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? 
James doesn't use the word hypocrite here, but I think that's exactly what he's describing. We have to be careful. I have to combat this. We all have to be, be on the alert that this could become us because hypocrisy leads to favoritism based on appearance alone. And then Jesus continues this rebuke in Matthew chapter 23 by looking at another aspect of hypocrisy. In Matthew chapter 23 and in verses 29 and 30, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, If we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Oh, how mistaken they are. <laughs> Jesus says, you guys trust and think that if you had lived back in the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah, that you would have listened to them, that you would have not fallen for the idea that they were liars. That you're going to prop up their tombs, you're going to give them honor. You're going to make, it, make them people that you trust in. And you think that if you had been living in those days, we wouldn't have made those same mistakes. No, I guess in one sense... They were right because they, they were going to make an even worse mistake. Just a few days later, they were going to be the ones who put to death the Son of God. And this leads us to our final point about hypocrisy is that we can mask our real spiritual condition. Jesus goes on in verse 31, So you testify against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that you may fall the, the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Jesus says that they are a brood of vipers. They are children of Satan. Their punishment is hellfire. And we have to be careful that we don't think we're above making the same mistakes that others have made. The Bible is filled with examples of people who make mistakes, who commit sin. We need to take those examples seriously. We need to say, well, that's not just such a grotesque sin. I would never do that. No, that's not how we need to be reading our Bible. And even whenever we might see someone in their hypocrisy, we might see someone do something that's just not quite right, that's not quite consistent with what God says. The Bible is again replete with warnings that even whenever we go and rebuke someone, 
that you do so very carefully. That you go in a spirit of gentleness, as Paul would say in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. And that you look within yourself so that you would not be tempted. Or as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and in verses 1 and 2, do not judge so that you will not be judged. Why does Jesus say that? Because of verse 2, for in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So you're going to get what you deserve. You get what you ask for. If one standard is good enough for someone else, then Jesus saying that same standard is going to be applied equally to you. And sadly, I'm afraid that sometimes we want to mask and hide our real spiritual condition. That we know that we're in sin. We know that we are in danger of falling away. And hypocrites, they work so hard to avoid that danger and the trap of sin, but they just fall right into it. Because they are unable to discern their real spiritual condition. They've worn the mask for too long. And they think they are accepted by God when they are spiritually dead. So what's the way forward? How do we overcome hypocrisy? Maybe we can identify it. Maybe we can see it. But how do we go forward? Well, it begins by removing hypocrisy and moving towards purity. Peter tells us in First Peter chapter one, or First Peter chapter two and verses one and two, rather. In First Peter chapter two and in verse one, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Peter tells us that hypocrisy can be removed from our life. We might have to do some inner soul searching. We might have to remove some things from our heart. We might have to be willing to unmask ourselves and see some ugly things and disgusting things in our life. But he goes on and he says in verse 2, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And we have to remove hypocrisy, but then we have to be moving towards purity. We have to fill ourselves with the purity of God's Word. Purity comes through obedience to the truth. Just a few verses earlier in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, and in verse 22, he says, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. He says that our obedience to the truth is what purifies our souls. You know, sometimes whenever people see the sin of hypocrisy, they become so disgusted, they are so turned off by it, and they're afraid that they themselves could become a hypocrite. Maybe you've heard someone say, well, you know, I know what I need to do. I know the truth. I know I need to obey it. I know I need to come back to church. I know I need to be part of the spiritual family of God. But they say, you know, if I do 
then I would just be a hypocrite. Don't fall for that thinking. Don't fall for that kind of thinking. Because obedience is the only path forward. Hearing God's word, being committed to putting God's word into your heart, receiving the pure milk of the word, that's the only path forward, or at least the beginning point. And our obedience, it must come from a sincere faith. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews the 10th chapter, notice what the Hebrew writer says here in Hebrews chapter 10 and in verse 22. He says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our obedience, it must come from a sincere heart, a sincere faith. That is what needs to be the motivation for us. That we come and we recognize that we are in need of God's grace, that we are in need of God's forgiveness, and that all the things that we are doing, it is a response to who God is. All our obedience, it's a response to who God is and what He requires of us, that we don't think that our outward actions and our obedient actions, that somehow they in and of themselves have made us righteous. That's the trap that the hypocrite falls into. We have to be sincere in our motive and our obedience. And because of that, we're going to recognize when we sin. When we fall short, because of that sincerity, we will be able to see our own failures. And when we see those failures, when we see those sins, when we see the faults that we commit, we need to be ready to ask for God's forgiveness. Ask for God to restore us. In Psalm 51, in Psalm 51 and in verse 1, David, after his sin with Bathsheba, penned these words, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. How is David able to recognize his sin? Because of his sincere godliness. Because of... He had this desire to do what was right. He was able to truly reflect and see that I have messed up. I have sinned. He goes on in verse 2, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. When David looked in the mirror, he saw his condition. And he knew he needed to be cleansed. He knew he needed forgiveness. Verse 7, Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. David wasn't wearing a mask to hide 
his true spiritual condition, he was able to see it for himself. And thankfully, hypocrisy is a sin that we can overcome and we can defeat. And we can receive forgiveness from that. I want to ask you a question this morning. What mask are you wearing? What mask are you wearing? Are you involved in the sin of hypocrisy? If so, you need to remove that mask. And out of a sincere heart and out of a sincere faith, come to obey God. Come in obedience to the Gospel and the truth of God's Word. If you have engaged in the sin of hypocrisy, the Lord wants you to come back to Him with a sincere devotion to come to Him. Will you not come back to God? This morning, if you have never named the name of Christ and have come to Him in baptism to be clothed with Christ, we want you to come to Christ today. And if you have made that commitment to following the Lord, but you've not been living faithfully, we want you to come back to the Lord before it's eternally too late seeking God's forgiveness, seeking His mercy. If you've been a hypocrite, God can forgive you. He can wash you thoroughly and forgive you and release you of the sins that you've committed. If we can help you in some way, we're here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you come now as we stand and as we sing.